Well, hello, Mary. I see you there bright and shiny this morning. Yes, it's a beautiful morning. and I like uh, having the sunlight filtering in on my face. While I'm yeah. <laughs> Looks great. Uh, well, I'm, I'm happy you were able to uh, meet up and talk today because I think I'm getting a lot out of these conversations, you know. Um, we decided that we were going to start recording more um, and start putting out podcast episodes with a focus on really just putting our attention on the self-mastery tools that you teach in your workshops and the forgiveness that you teach and all the different parts and pieces of that. Um, for people who've listened to us, they know I, I have been to a lot of your workshops over the years, and I found it super helpful. And so, you know, here we are in the fall of 2021. And I, I just was noticing that I wasn't feeling the best. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was doing my best. And I said, Hey, Mayor, <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk again. Yeah. Let's how do you do your best? Exactly. How do you do that? That's what in its essence, when we're saying self mastery, we're say, saying, I am doing my best with mm -hmm. myself and my life and my parent gig and duties and uh, that there's certain attitudes and tools that we can keep in place regularly that keep us uh, with our chins lifted and our eyes on a horizon of becoming the most elegant version of ourselves. Yeah, and I love how it it's basically looking at your life as a classroom, as opposed to, you know, your life is this terrible thing that happens to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and the idea that when things happen that are challenging or painful or difficult, that that actually is an opportunity for you to become more masterful in how you approach your life. And so it's very much like we're not victims. Even, I would say, even if we've if someone has been victimized at one point by something or someone or some situation, the, the idea of self-mastery is that you want to get out of that victim stance and start figuring out what you can do with what you have, with the tools that you have and the attitudes and everything. Is that how you view it? Yeah, I love that. You said that so succinctly. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> yes, you are. Well, uh, we are. We all are. I was hoping today that we could talk a little bit about boundaries um, because whenever I start thinking, okay, I'm going to kind of take, you know, take control of this situation, or I'm going to like assert, you know, how, what I want to do in this particular, you know, dimension of my life, inevitably um, the question of, well, do I have the proper boundaries comes up? And so it's always like, it's always a good refresher, you know, to talk about boundaries. It's true. And if you think about it, um, the concept of boundaries in psychology and recovery, um, it's a fairly new concept, mm -hmm. uh, although it's as ancient as, you know, war is <laughs> on the planet because countries have always been fighting about boundaries, mm -hmm. but on a personal level, it's only that the idea has only been around, I think, since, I don't know, the 70s, 80s, when people started doing a lot of therapy and recovery work. And we started noticing, huh, part of being a healthy person is really knowing who you are as an individual, where you begin and end 
in your spaces in the world and what you will and will not have and who you will and will not have in your life and uh, it's kind of a line that we draw in our day in our situations that say okay this is what's mine to do and this stuff over here and the way that person is acting and that stuff out there in the in the collective hmm well I'm not gonna do that I, I can't do that part uh, I'm I'm still keeping my focus here and I guess that's for me a lot of what I've been doing in the pandemic is keeping my focus um, in a, a well-defined personal space and uh, really trying not to take in all of the waves of uh, thought and emotion that are splashing around out there yeah. in society because it's rather overwhelming. Wouldn't you it say? is. Yeah. And we were talking about this in an earlier chat where it sort of seems like there's been a big breakdown of social social norms and social ways of being and you know what the rules Politeness. are yeah and and that <laughs> is sort of a, a boundary it's a it becomes a boundary issue but i want to just back up a little bit here because you know i'm a boundary enthusiast now <laughs> but in the past i was like you know i was I, I didn't exactly know what boundaries were. I didn't have a good working understanding of them. And I knew that I kind of had bad boundaries. And when I would go to your workshop and we'd have the weekend, you know, that was like the boundaries weekend, I would, I would confront it with a little bit of dread and shame because I had this sense of like, I think I have bad boundaries, but I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> you know, and, and there are some real signs if you do have bad boundaries. Yeah, um, I would say what are some they? Signs are uh, well, you feel stressed uh -huh. all the time. Uh, you feel like you don't have enough time to live to do the things of your life. Um, you're worrying too much about another person. Or a situation, um, probably someone or something that you don't really have a lot of agency to fix or change, but you're worrying about them anyway. That's where you've lost a mental boundary. You've lost control of your mind, and you're not keeping your focus on, you know, what is what's the unfolding uh, task for me right now, and am I wasting my time sitting around worrying about this or that? So if we're stressed, if we don't have enough time, if we feel really lost from our goals, if we, you know, I mean, everyone has a couple of life goals or a dream that we have in our pocket. And unless we actually carve out some time and some activity and some intention to uh, build a goal or a dream, uh, it's not going to happen. It's mm -hmm. just going to remain in our pocket as a goal or a dream. And so sometimes we have to draw a line uh, away from certain things that are going to be distracting or going to be consumptive or are not really what we want to do, what's really going to make us happy. So boundaries are our friends. They are, yeah. And I, I would say that as I have gotten to know and understand boundaries, I have embraced them. And I, I remember I would tell people in your workshops, you know, someone new, I would see the look, the stricken look on their face, like, oh God, I'm going to be found out for my bad boundaries. You know, <laughs> boundaries. 
boundaries. <laughs> I know I have bad boundaries, but I really don't know what it means. But yeah, I don't exactly. I would say, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. You will learn to love boundaries and the boundaries are your friend. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, way back when I, I mean, my kids are in their twenties now. Um, but way back when, when, when they were little and when I was working at a TV station and commuting, and I think it was kind of before we had, you know, everyone had cell phones and I had daycare deadlines and, you know, I was just like running, running from one thing to the next. And I remember trying to get a, a grip and someone said to me, well, you need to, you need to meditate, you know, you need to meditate every day. And I was like, I don't even know when I could do that. And, and the person said to me, well, how about five minutes a day? And I honestly, at that moment in my life, at that time in my life, I could not figure out how to come up with five minutes a day. And that, you know, was like, what's going on here? You know, (laughs) if you don't have five minutes a day to carve out that is yours and your time where you decide, and you use the word agency, Mary, where you have agency over over your resources of energy and attention and time. And, you know, just even if you're spending your five minutes just breathing, if you don't feel like you have that, you definitely have a huge boundary problem. You really do. Yeah. Because I, I remember once realizing that the day that I feel like I have absolutely no time Mm -hmm. for self-care is the day that I need to do self-care. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's like, a good little bell. Yeah, yeah, that is a real sign when you feel like I don't have time to I don't have time for my to take for myself. That's when you need to take time for yourself. Yeah. Because something has really spilled over um into your time and your your life, your daily life that is uh putting you way out of balance and And a lot of us need to make friends with the beautiful word, no. Mm. That's one of uh, the boundary words. It's like, no, thank you. I can't do that right Mm now. No, that sounds interesting, but I actually am a little too busy right now. I'll take a pass. Or, (laughs) Mary, just no, silence. No, I think it was Oprah who was saying no is a complete sentence. It's a complete sentence. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we can joke about it, but I think, you know, sometimes when I've had friends or, you know, acquaintances, people in workshops who have come from some pretty dysfunctional um, families situations, pretty, pretty difficult um, upbringings, their boundaries have been overrun right and left, like, boundaries is like, it's a deep issue with some people who have some trauma too. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, it's a life skill. And if you are blessed enough to have had parents who are healthy enough in their boundaries, they're going to teach you about it as you go along. They're going to train you. They're going to uh, encourage you to stand up to the bully uh, that's nearby you in class. And they're going to encourage you to um, uh, just kind of know that what other people are saying and thinking and doing about you isn't the real you. Mm. You are the only one that can know who the real you is. You are the only one 
that you need to answer to, you and your higher power, whatever that is, is the only one you need to ultimately answer to. And I remember, um, and I, I, when I grew up, I didn't have any boundaries at all. Our, our household was struggling with alcoholism. And so uh, it was just this chaotic sea, <laughs> this chaotic ocean of people and and stuff and unfinished things and and little fights and squabbles that weren't getting worked out and people grabbing each other's stuff because there wasn't enough stuff and we couldn't really figure out how to get our things and you know it was just this chaotic uh sea of uh <laughs> splashing along and um so when i became a mother and I had some space and I had some time and I wasn't dealing with an alcoholic spouse and I was, you know, uh, feeling calmly resourced enough. I was able to look at my four year old and say, oh, honey, let me help you with uh, dealing with this child that's overwhelming you every time you come into the room. <laughs> let me help you. Let me teach you how to deal with his name was Ben. <laughs> and my, he used to just come barreling across the room, uh, yelling my daughter's name with great enthusiasm and flinging himself upon her in a big sloppy hug like a dog, like an out of control dog licking your face and, and like you know jumping up on you. This kid was like that with my little sensitive girl who needed to kind of stand in the doorway of the room for five minutes and look at look at the group and kind of take a breath and get ready to wade in and, and be in the group in the day. This is in daycare. And so we spent I don't know, a week or two uh, taking our time at the doorway while Ben ran across the room to mow her over. And I would just put my leg, my my hip or leg out kind of in front of him uh, between them, two of them and, and a hand out in kind of a stop motion with a big smile on my face and say, good morning, Ben. Uh, Tara's not ready to, to hug you yet. And he'd be just bouncing and slobbering and wanting to hug her. And I'd say, Tara, do you want to say hello to Ben and hug him? And she'd say, no. And she'd hide behind my leg. I'd say, no, Ben, she's not ready yet. You know, and uh, then he'd go away and then she'd stand there and whew, regroup. And then I would just hold her space. That's mm. boundaries have to do with holding our space and having our space. And we like to visualize it like a nice uh, bubble of light around you, about three feet around you on all sides. You could call it your aura if you wish, but it's the space that you get to occupy and you get to govern a little mm -hmm. bit. <laughs> Who comes in and touches you and um, you know how long you are in other spaces that are uh, challenging and how long you are with people who are challenging. There's boundaries with time too. So I, you know, you might know that when you go to visit, uh, some challenging in-laws, uh, wow, I've got about a good hour and a half there before I want to pull my hair out and scream. You people are crazy and run, run out of the room. So, Hmm. Okay. What's my boundary? It's an hour and a half. I'm going to just let them know. I'm so glad to be here with my big smile. And I, I'll be leaving about eight because make up a reason, you know, I just know, like, I can't just stay there all night because they, they, they are so different than me. And, and sometimes they do seem a little crazy to me. And uh, so, so we have to learn 
I have to learn boundaries on all these different levels. Well, and I, so that you've, you've pointed to a lot of different ways that boundaries show up in our lives and, and we can either have them or not have them. So that's really cool. You said you, you were talking about kind of a bubble of space and a bubble of light. And that's sort of a, a core idea around the self-mastery that you teach and, and, and the various tools. If you don't have a sense of yourself and some space for yourself, it's very hard to use these tools. It's very hard to um, to decide where you're going to put your attention, to decide right, what you're you going to use. You feel confused. You feel like like I did when I was growing up in my in my uh, dysfunctional family. My my lovely, by the way, my family is lovely. <laughs> we all we all grew up just fine. <laughs> But at the time, it was so dysfunctional. It was, you know, it was just full of love and full of craziness all the time. And I was confused. Uh, I was confused. I wasn't clear. I, I couldn't get my homework done uh, mm -hmm. because there was too much noise. There wasn't a room for me to go to and a clear table for to sit down and uh, a person to call on every 20 minutes to say, I don't, I don't get this thing in math. Can you help me? So it was just like, this confusing, uh, you know, out of control situation. And uh, so it's been um, really uh, precious to me to have, have certain boundaries. And, and it's just as simple as like, I, I do take time for meditation. Um, I'm self-employed. I can, I don't have to show up in a group at, at 8:45 or whatever i can start my day when i want to and my husband and i are both kind of introverted in the morning and we just have this great boundary thing going on right now and it's especially important during the pandemic because it's been him and me in this little house for a long time but we like you know bump into the, each other in the kitchen and kind of nuzzle together a little bit and then he goes off to his spot with his phone and he reads all his news things and I go out to my spot where I do some meditation and some reading and we don't don't talk for like an hour hour and a half and if we walk by each other we don't look we don't uh, feel obliged to talk we're just you know taking our space taking our time and uh, we've learned to read each other's energy around when's the time to talk about a household thing or when is it time to be you know friendly and when is it time to just oh no he's he's being alone to just you know back away back away from that little bubble of privacy around this person so um i feel really blessed that i have at least that time in the morning um and uh i think it it sets my my day and this this brings us to the best boundary of all and i'll just name it and you can tell me what you think the best boundary of all it comes from the 12-step program one day at a time mm -hmm. that's a Live great boundary yep yeah so you're not um looking ahead and going oh no how is this thing in seven days gonna you know, your, your boundary is around what is on your dashboard, I guess I would say. Right. And you, if you're, and you, you know this, cause you do a lot of project management. Mm -hmm. You, you have to do some planning, mm -hmm. you do some planning. You have to do some key calls today so that these people are going to be queued up in a good space to do the thing a day or two from now. So yeah. you, you do this planning thing, but then 
you pretty much just got to make that day go well. Yeah. And you can't be thinking every day about the end of the week or, or six months from now or anything like that. Yeah. And I, so it, it, thank you for sharing about your life with Fred and how that, I would say that that is an example of a really, of a healthy couple that's been together for a long time that has worked out a lot of things. And, you know, I'm thankful with my husband, Matt, that we have a healthy relationship like that too. Um, But in terms of the idea that you get to say, okay, one day at a time, and you put a boundary on, I'm not going to worry about all these other things. It doesn't mean that that everything's taken care of and, and that there's no unknowns. There's plenty of unknowns, but the boundary is around um, what can I uh, think through right now? What can I put my attention on? What do I have to stop myself from, you know, going into kind of a worry cycle about? Right. And it's actually more efficient to do that because we're not in control of a lot of it. Some days, most of it, <laughs> we're not in control yeah. of it. We're in relationship to life, yeah. we're in relationship to groups and to society and to nature and to the weather and, uh, just all of these influences and we have to dance with them. We have Mm. to, they're our dance partners throughout the day. So we have to have a nice sturdy intention and a nice simple uh, understanding of what needs to be executed today. And then as life moves (laughs) and certain things come in and certain things fall away and certain things were not what you thought, then you're dancing with it. But if you don't have your uh, your mind too uh, crammed up with all the eventualities and all the possibilities, mm-hmm. then we can go. Oh, interesting. Oh, oh, look at look. Oh, I oh, see. Yeah, oh, let me think yeah. about that. Yeah, and I think because um, what you're describing too is that everything things change. Things are the the map that we're standing in constantly needs to be updated. We constantly are facing unknowns. And, you know, during the pandemic, uh, over the last 18, 19 months, that's been a huge challenge that everyone has had to confront to larger or smaller degrees. But it's like, thing, I can't do things the way that I normally would have. I can't assume, like, I can't take for granted that I know how to conduct myself to, you know, go to the grocery store and buy groceries and come home. And you had to kind of like take things that were more unconscious or, or things that we, or habits that we just didn't really think about and bring it to the forefront and go, okay, now what is proper behavior here? I, <laughs> right. You know, and, and the way we learn, the way, the way we know what to do is, um, and, and this is a practice that I think a lot of people have been invited to by the pandemic is, is the practice of presence. It's mm. like, okay, this is what's here. Oh, and and here am I, and what what's present in me, and what can happen, and what oh, what do I need to adjust, and what do I need to enjoy, what yep. do I need to see and take in and appreciate, you know? And I remember um, one time, this was not during the pandemic; it was during like a personal crisis of mine <laughs> um, a long time ago, and I was just I'd had a new baby; she was uh, three months old, and I was still nursing, and uh, my husband was very sick and I had a 12, 13 year old too. And uh, we were broke and I, but I had the responsibility for making our money because my husband was too sick to do it. It was impossible. 
It was mm -hmm. absolutely impossible. And I learned at that time the art of relaxing into the impossible. You have when you're faced with the impossible in your day or your week or your life, you have to relax. <laughs> you just have to relax. You cannot get on top of it. So let go, relax into the impossible and and do the things you can think of that might be good and then let go because they might not be the outcome. So I remember, wow, I have two hours while the baby's napping to make some phone calls and start up some work because I'm a freelancer. I start up calling people up and making connections saying, hey, I'm coming back to work. You want to do this? You know, I had two hours to do that. So the baby's sleeping and I'm going, okay, what, what is every last person and thing I can think of right now to start my business working again? And I made that list and I chowed through it in about uh, an hour and 15 minutes and nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nobody answered the phone. Nobody was available or I was just like, uh, and I was, I remember standing there and thinking, I don't know. I did my best. I did everything I could think of. What's present now? What, what is now? And I thought, oh, I got to go to the store. We don't have any. You know, I, I got to go to the store and, and get some vegetables and a chicken. All right. So I go to the store and immediately in the produce department at the store, I bump into a woman who loves my work and is a great contact. And she's the the organizer of a conference that's going to be happening in three months at a at a prestigious uh, location, you know, a prestigious local university. And I bump into her over the broccoli and uh, <laughs> smile, my big smile. And, and she's like, Mary, and we do this thing. And in, in five minutes, I had a really good job. I had a really good job with a lot of exposure and good money. And uh, it, it was going to move me along on I my love way. It. And That's I run, so awesome. I know, I know. It's in the produce department. The only reason I met her that day and nailed down that job, because she might not have thought to call me, I don't know, probably didn't, um, is that I was present to, well, well, well now what? Oh, well, let's go yeah. to the store. I was present to that. And um, ironically, the, the uh, breakout group that I ended up leading at that conference was titled Find Center Amid Chaos. Oh, I and love it. Yeah, it had a boundaries element to it. It also had the element of uh, dealing with the impossible because it was all this restructuring going on and people yeah. were losing their minds in business. And in that conference, I remember the keynoter was David White, the wonderful poet. And and there was, a, you know, when there's breakout groups, there's like maybe five other things going on besides you. So you're going to get of the, you know, 400 people that were there, maybe I, I would get some and this other group would get some and this other group. Well, my group, Find Center Amid Chaos, had 300 people in it. Oh and gosh. all the other groups, all the other groups had these little tiny work and break yeah. out groups. Because guess what? Guess Everybody what we must all it. be dealing with all the time. We just don't realize. A lot of times we feel like we're dealing with the impossible. Well, and I, yeah, I want to pick up on that word, the impossible, because sometimes things seem like you, you don't see a ready solution or you, you know, you're kind of at a wall and this, this is part of the creative process too, of like, you know, you stretch to what you think you, you can do. And then suddenly you're not sure there's, you're in the unknown, but the thing about the unknown is that it carries, it carries potential. There's, there's potential for some, something really good 
there's also potential for things to fall apart terribly, you know. And let's notice so, things as we have conceived of them, because yeah. you know, it's just our idea yeah. of how it's supposed to go, or or that this thing is supposed to be here, or you know, we we only have our habitual um, ways of thinking. But yeah, you know, I always say, and then I try to like open up and be present and see what God's idea is. I love it. Yeah, yeah. God's idea is off often so much simpler and better than mine. Yeah. And I, you know, that's important to me too. I um, will realize that I'm sort of up against a, a, a barrier or something of not being able to imagine what it, what it is that I need to do next. And then it's like, oh, I know I'm going to hand this over. I'm going to pray about it. Mm. I'm going to ask for guidance. And then I'm going to just sort of relax into the idea that that maybe guidance is on the way. And if I am maybe I just have and... to do something in my body right now. Mm-hmm. I have to eat. I have to uh, clean, clean the sink. I have yeah. to do something physical mm-hmm. right now and just be an embodied person and, and assume safety, assume that it's all going to work out somehow and just keep getting present to yourself um, again, you know, yeah. as, as a, creature as a creature with a body and a heart and and move a few things and then see how the universe moves back with you that's great that's great and i i think you know you you mentioned the 12 step one day at a time and and that sort of is reminding me of my my recent strategic plan that i've been telling people about and i i mentioned it <laughs> to you the other day it's like what's your strategic plan Aaron? I, it's to have a good day <laughs> and it's simple. And, and I've told a couple of people that and they just like kind of burst out like that. Yeah. And then they, they go, well, how do you do that? And it's sort of like, well, each day, two or three things that I can point to that, that are good, you know, that are, that are helping improve my day, that are helping me have, have a good day. And, you know, I'm just looking at, I'm just looking at my own life and not other people's lives, but it's like, what can I do to have a good day for me? And so one of the, one of the boundary issues that I addressed in the recent days was um, my darn cat, Mary. Oh, your cat. Riker. Your cat is your life teacher. Aaron. Oh, he's terrible. That, and that yes. cat. <laughs> because he gets in my space and he does, and this is kind of gross, but he gets in my space and I'll hear him heaving because he, he wolfs down his food and then he barfs it up and then I have to clean it up and I'll hear it. And I'll just be like, Ugh, oh, you know? there it goes again. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it just drives me crazy. And I'm, you know, I'm the person who looks after him the most and I feed him and I, I do all that. So he is like on me all day long in this house follows me. He wants, he always wants to know where I am. You know, I'm the food source. It's not, I don't think it's because he particularly likes me. You know, I, no, and I comb him out more. With him. It's like, you're, you're, he wants you to be under his control. Exactly. To, exactly. To make sure that he gets his food when he wants it. So here in, I'm in my new office talking with you and I love my new office and it's in the guest room. And I, we had, um, you know, the, the doorknobs on our, on most of our doors are lever doorknobs, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is great. But the thing is Riker, the 22 pound cat who don't is, tell me he learned how to open the door. Oh, he knows how to open the door. He throws oh. himself against it and he pushes oh. in 
And so then he comes running in and I might be on a Zoom call or something. And then he decides, oh, I want her to, to feed me. There's still food in his dish, but no, he's like, come on. So he'll climb on things and he'll, he'll just be in my space trying to annoy me to get my attention. He's one so of I, your greatest teachers around boundaries, isn't he? Oh, God. So I said to Matt, um, my husband, I said, I think what I need, I thought about it a little bit and I thought about what can I do? And I said, I need a different doorknob on the door. Ah. My office. I need a round doorknob that Riker doesn't have the ability to open. The cat can't manipulate. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, Matt is like, I'm on it. You know, I think <laughs> that day at lunch, he was over at Lowe's or Menards or wherever. Ah. And he got the door, he got a new doorknob and he installed it and I can shut the door. And yes. Keep Riker out. You can say no to Riker yeah. the cat. You can say no. <laughs> and then you will resent him less. Exactly. And I, and, and I feel more control in your life. Yeah. yeah. And it's honestly, I can hear him right control. now. He's outside the door. I can hear him meowing, you know, Too bad oh, Riker. Yeah. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> and that is one of the key uh, markers too, about when we need to establish a boundary is, are you resenting yeah. someone yeah. or something? Are you resenting them? That means there's too much of them. There's too much of them in your space. So how can you adjust it? And I love the, the beautiful solution that you came up with about changing the doorknob. Yeah. Present him less because he will be heaving less <laughs> in, your, in your company when you're trying to be a professional on Zoom. <laughs> well, and you know, like, oh, that's self-mastery, but yes, actually it, it is. is. It, it totally is. is. It is. You took charge. You're like, what can I do? And let's do it. And mm -hmm. let's go and relax. Let's. Yeah. Let's and I, I can say, I, I said to Matt after the first day of the new doorknob and having, you know, control, I said that really helped. And it really did. It really, it helped me have more control, feel calmer, you know, just feel like more in charge. And mm -hmm. that's what I need. That's what I'm needing right now. And so, yeah, thanks for listening to that, Mary. And thanks. Thank you for, um, you know, spending the time uh, with me talking about this. I, I it's super helpful. Super oh, helpful you. to it's me. It's good for me too, yeah. because I am still sitting in my chair, my meditation, my morning meditation chair with the pretty sunlight coming in. And before I leave this room mm -hmm. and go through the living room where my husband is or in the kitchen where he is, and he pretty soon he's going to want to start talking about things, mm -hmm. practical things. When I mean things, I mean like doorknobs, you know, <laughs> these, these yeah. things are important. I know, but this, this man is very, very material and and about fixing and improving the things and you know getting the the right screw at the hardware store and that's going to happen soon and uh so i need to just before i go and go oh my god okay we're talking about things be patient i need to just sit here and think what is the what is the bottom line um important thing in this day for my yeah. pleasure, for my productivity in my work, which I'm slowly rehabbing because of the pandemic changes. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with my one day at a time strategic planning <laughs> for a good day, Erin. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. Whoever's here <laughs> listening with us it, is gonna um, enjoy doing that too, and uh, know that we're all 
we're all here together waving and smiling and saying yes and saying no in the ways that make the most sense for being the best. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you, Mary. And uh, we'll just keep, we'll just keep talking and we'll keep putting our attention on the self mastery tools and figuring out how to have the lives we want and not be victims of the lives we have. That's right. That's right. (laughs) How to to enjoy being ourselves. Yeah. Very good. All right. Take care. See you next time.